need to pick up some groceries, I go to a place like this. Um, I go here because I need to make a habit of eating. And I know they have stuff like this inside, the healthy stuff. Um, but honestly, if I were just true confession, I normally go to this, the grocery store for stuff like this. Not not as healthy, but fantastic. I mean, those things taste great. I I make a have, and by the way, they're appropriately named, <laughs> Fat Boys. Uh, I make a habit of going to these kinds of places because I have an eating habit, uh, and I know my body needs nutrition. Uh, last week and this week, we're looking at. Uh, the venues, the places that we create here in church life in order to get our spiritual groceries, so to speak. And as we do these things, uh, we accomplish our mission and we ourselves grow in our relationship to God. We started out last week by looking at Oh, the places we go by Dr. Seuss, a book by him. Great lessons in this little book. Its premise is that we all choose where to go. There are some places we should go. There are some places we shouldn't go. Uh, but going to good places helps us stay on track. That's what this series is all about. Today we're going to look at the last two of the four places that we go to grow. We we build these places, so to speak, to accomplish our mission. And as folks come to the places, they're really helped by them. They, they grow themselves. In this DNA series, we're walking through the different sides of our vision frame, which is the, the frame that we put around what God wants us to accomplish as a church body. So as a church community... God gives, uh, he gives all churches the same purpose, but the way that that purpose is accomplished is different based on the unique wiring of that church body. Um, God weaves a quilt of DNA into the church through its leaders, members, heritage, traditions, uh, the different things that we experience in church life. So God, God weaves that together and each member and person that gets involved is a, a thread in the quilt of DNA that God is weaving together in the church body. So we're walking through the different sides of this frame that describe how God has uniquely put us together as a church community and how we intend to fulfill his purpose in this place for us. The first week we looked at mission and we've described because of the way God's wired us together, we've described our, our mission as inviting our neighbors to discover Christ through his life changing community. The next week, second week, we looked at values. Um, our, our values are why. Our mission is what we do. Our values describe why we do it. And we do our mission 
Because people really matter to God. That's why we do it. We, we want to invite people to discover Christ because life opens up in a whole new way as people decide to follow him. And so we want to help with that. We, we do our mission because people really matter. And we're motivated to do it because we're guided by scripture. We act with integrity. Um, we, uh, we put mission over tradition because that's what you see in scripture. And we focus on equipping others for service as they get involved. Um, last week, we began to walk through our strategy. So our mission is what we do. Our values are why we do it. Our strategy is how we do it. How, how are we intending to accomplish our mission as a church community? We have a vision for what we'd like to see God do through our church community. We, we have a dream. And our strategy is the pattern of behavior that helps us to accomplish our mission. And as we walk through that pattern, as we build these habits, what happens is we grow ourselves. We, we, God made us to grow as we get involved in the church community. That's, that's how spiritual growth happens. So this is what we've been looking at is somewhat of a map of where we should go to grow and how we accomplish our mission together. We go to these places over and over and over again. And we do that to fulfill the work God has given us to do. And as we engage in these places, God really grows us as individuals. If we engage in these places, we receive more than we give. That's what we find. So we've identified four places to grow and contribute to the mission of Church in the Valley. And on this map, you see... Four places to grow. Uh, first, attend the worship service. We talked about that last week. Second place, uh, serve on a team. Third, and we're going to talk about this today, connect in a group or event. And then fourth, plug into a learning environment. The, the picture you see in this strategy map, we'll call it, is as we continually do these things, as we build habits in to accomplish these things, we accomplish our mission or to do these things, we accomplish our mission, and in the process, we grow because God's resources are found in these places. Our spiritual groceries are inside of them. That's what you find. Before we look at the last two places on our map, I want to step back and take a look at how we grow in Christ. Uh, And it's not like we think. It it doesn't happen like we think. Here's, Here's a summary of the way it works. We grow as we eat our spiritual groceries. That's how it happens. Um, The Bible shows us that God grows us when we set our minds on the Spirit's resources. Romans 8, 3 through 6 is a great summary of how this happens. Let's read it together. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Now, this is this is how we walk according to the spirit. We set our minds on the things of the spirit. So the picture you see in this passage is there are two realms, the spirit and the flesh. And at any given moment in time, we're in one of the two realms. And the way you walk according to the Spirit, which is what we're instructed to do here, uh, as we try to walk with the Lord, the way we walk by the Spirit is we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. We have a problem, though. Our minds tend to drift. <laughs> our, our minds tend to wonder. That's why we build the habits in. That's why we make it a habit to do these things. So there's a reason in verse 6 that we do this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You're, you're, as you walk through, as you get involved in these habits, and you, you connect with the church community, what happens over and over if you gauge, engage in the things that God has provided the resources of the spirit, what happens is your life comes together more and more. Peace in, in scripture has this connotation. It means well-being. Life's good. Things are coming together for you on the inside. Now, things could be falling apart on the outside. <laughs> I mean, they could be going haywire, but... Things are coming together on the inside as you as you walk with the Lord. The core message of the book of Romans is that God has done everything we need to be made right with him. He's done it all. God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. We tend to think we grow spiritually through self-effort. That may, that makes sense to us as, as humans, you know. I mean, it makes sense to me. You know, the self improvement section of the bookstore, when they used to have them, there are still some around. Uh, but self improvement's a big thing. We focus on that. That's because it makes sense the way we're wired. But you see, in this passage, God did what the law could not do. In other words. The law represents the commandments of God and obedience to the law. God made a way for us to be right with him without the law. And the way he did it is Jesus took our punishment on himself. You know, we we broke the law. We, we deserve, we're guilty, guilty. I am guilty. And Jesus took all of my sin. He did what the law 
could not do. I couldn't obey the law perfectly. I couldn't do God's commandments perfectly. I mess up. And so Jesus did what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. That is an amazing thing. So the law really was never intended to be the way that we earned right with, we earned right, uh, the, we're made right with God. The law is like an x-ray that shows the inside of our hearts and it reveals how we need to change. And it's the grace of God poured out in Jesus Christ on the cross that allows us to be honest with ourselves. Hey, I'm guilty. I blew it. It's the grace of God that helps us to move forward. And so God, basically, he shows us through the law, as you get into scripture and you read the law, you read the first first five books of the the Bible are referred to as the law often. And you read through those and you're like, oh man, I've... I blew it, you know, I blew it here. And I can be honest, and Jesus made it so, as soon as I admit my wrong, I'm forgiven. If I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. So we become a Christian by admitting our wrong and accepting what Jesus has done on the cross to pay for our sin. And then we give ourselves to follow him, and then that's how we grow. We grow by... Continuing to rely on what he's done, not my effort, not my self-effort, but I continue to rely on what God's done. This passage shows our part. It's clear. We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Our, Our part in spiritual growth is to walk in step with God's spirit. Those who keep in step with God's spirit. Now, how do we do that? How do we keep in step with God's spirit? We set our minds on the things of the spirit. As I mentioned, you and I have a problem. Our minds wander. My, my mind wanders. Okay, I'm going to confess my own sin up here. My mind wanders. My emotions wander. And I need these habits. Attending worship, serving on a team, trying to make things move forward in the church body. I need to be connected to a group of people that encourage me. I need to plug into learning environments so I can grow. We must make a habit of visiting the spiritual grocery store. That God's provided for us. That's the spiritual growth happens when we get our spiritual groceries. We need to make a habit of going to the places on our map because God uses what happens in them to bring our minds back to what really matters to the things of the spirit. Here's what the early Christians made a habit of doing. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is a spiritual grocery list right here. (laughs) Um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. First of all, the Bible. That The apostles built their teaching on the Old Testament and 
what they said, certain parts of what they said, became the New Testament, the Bible. It, we're, we're told in Scripture that they were inspired. In other words, their words were from God. He was the source of their words. And so they're talking about the Bible here. So they devoted themselves to the Scripture, the Bible, to prayer, to fellowship, and implicitly serving to make all those things happen. They met in larger meetings in the temple, like this one, smaller meetings in homes, like community groups. And they broke bread together, and the mission was being accomplished through it all. This is what you see in in Scripture. God uses these things to give us the spiritual nourishment we need to grow. And he strengthens us through them to accomplish our mission. Spiritual growth isn't self-improvement. God gives the growth as we keep getting our groceries. That's how it happens. And just like physically, we eat food and we don't really make ourselves healthy. Fat boys are not the way, by the way. They're great, though. <laughs> so, but we, we don't really do... Sorry, I, got, I digress, don't I? Um, we, we, don't, we don't really make ourselves grow or do the work um, to use the nutrients from the food in our bodies. God designed it this way. God made us this way. So he made us to get our groceries physically and to eat the groceries. And the more healthy stuff you eat, the better you, it goes for you. But this is the way God made it to work. And it's the same spiritually. It's exactly the same spiritually. God made it to work so that we grow, we get healthy spiritually as we take in the good groceries that God provides, his resources. This is how it works. So here's the difference that these habits made in the first church. We looked at this last week. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first Christians accomplished their mission and grew because they were devoted to certain things. They made it a habit to be involved in several things. And those things that they were involved in, they mirror our strategy map. And we grow because we're getting our spiritual groceries in these places. It's what we receive inside of them that helps us. Not, not the, just the f- fact that we go. It's very easy in any religion to focus on the habits and the external part, like going to church. If I feel good because I went to church today. Yeah, that's a part of our map here. But it's not just going, it's engaging. It's 
listening to God as he speaks. It's listening to him as he works through the songs and the message and all that's going on. We need to build a habit of going to these places because of what we give and receive inside of them. We get our groceries here. <laughs> that's what that's what God intends to do. If you just go through the motions of being religious and don't engage, you get about as much nourishment as these, you know, the fat boys again. I'm sorry, I'm stuck. I love these things. I try to leave enough calories in my diet to have one every night. But sometimes I don't. All right. Um, you you can't, but you can't live on those, by the way. You need the healthy stuff. Okay? You need the healthy stuff. Just going through the motions is more like eating those all the time. There's no nourishment there. There's no nutrition. There's no help, really, in them. Last week, we walked through the, the value of the first two parts of our strategy, attend the worship service and serve on a team. Uh, today, we're going to look at the last two places. So the third part of our strategy is to encourage habit number three, connect in a group or event. When you see what you see in the first churches and what is important for our growth is to make a habit of going to these places. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If if we want to accomplish our mission and grow, we must have a habit of meeting together. We're, we're built with this need for community. But we're fragmented because of what's going on inside of us and our flesh and what goes on in the world. We're fragmented. There are several things that pull us apart and pull us away from people. Technology tugs on us and it disrupts our connection to others. I see something like this a lot. It's also easy to cave into the pool of self-centeredness. And it's, it's in us. That's what the flesh is. When you decide to follow Christ, you live in one of two realms, the flesh or the spirit. The flesh is doing things our old way, trying to earn God's favor or trying to make what we want to happen happen, trying to be in control of different circumstances, situations, and... Uh, the spirit is trusting God, letting him lead and learning to do things his way. And we, we end up in the flesh a lot because until the day we die, we're going to struggle with it and then it'll be gone. We'll be in the realm of the spirit in heaven if we're following God. So, um, anyway, uh, the flesh also pulls us away from others. And we cave into resentment, bitterness, we struggle, we get angry, and we pull away. So the flesh, that's, that's the old way of getting what you want. Anger, resentment, bitterness, those are marks of the flesh. And it, it fragments us, it pulls us away. So technology, the flesh. And then finally, some of us grown up in a, a family 
that didn't connect well. So living in community with other people is sort of like putting the puzzle together without the picture on the box. We need to see the picture on the box to put it together. And it's the same for community. If we haven't experienced it, it's very difficult to put that picture together. We are made to live connected in community with others. We, we don't function well. We don't experience life and peace if we're fragmented and disjointed. It just, it just doesn't happen. God designed us to work a certain way. And if we don't connect in community, we don't experience it. So God wants the church to be a place where people can connect. This is why the first Christ followers were devoted to fellowship. This verse was originally written in Greek, and the word for fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. This word koinonia means, it's not punching cookies, which sometimes the way I grew up in church, and when we had fellowships, it was punching cookies, or some kind of snack and cookies. I, I, I enjoyed it, really. But this word in the Greek was not, you, you, you see the theme? I like junk food. <laughs> I'm trying to get over it, trust me. Um, but really what this word literally means in the Greek is mutual reciprocity. So I know you, you know me. I help you, you help me. I, I, uh, I borrow from you, you borrow from me. It's, it's a back and forth, give and receive relationship. That's what it's talking about. Koinonia is God's plan to meet the need for connection. This is what he intends to do. This is his plan. That's why he wants it to be experienced inside the church community. With the Lord at the center of a church community, it has a healing power. That helps us become integrated as people, not fragmented. When you experience koinonia in church life, it's like, hey, this is the picture on the box for the puzzle. This is the picture on the box of the puzzle pieces I showed earlier. <laughs> you kind of need that <laughs> to put it together. It's the same with connecting in community. And if you have the picture on the box of what it looks like to connect in community, um, then we have a, an opportunity for it to spill over into families and in, into workplaces and in, in friendships because we're experiencing it. This, this is, that's why what we do in church life is so crucial. It's so important because this is unusual what God does through a church community that is following him. When he is at the center, he brings things together. So we create opportunities to connect through events. And they tend to be our first step into connection. 
uh, things like meetups. They're often the first step into getting to know others in the church community. Larger events are designed to invite people in to attend and connect. But community groups are the best way to experience this koinonia that I've been talking about. Actually, the word community is based on the Greek word koinonia. Community groups are where we experience this koinonia in its purest form. And so we, we know that it's not like zero to a hundred all at once. So we know this, that it takes time to get to know people. So we design events and meetups and things like that so that you can connect and begin to build trust in the relationships and then you can you can plug in to a community group. So sign up, start today, um, and you can try before you buy, we'll say. Uh, you can just check it out, go the first night, uh, even the first five weeks, and get to know what they're all about before you commit to being in it for uh, 12 months. But that's starting today. So that's that's a very important sort of at the center of our strategy. And then habit number four is plug into a learning environment. Uh, it's interesting. If you read the Bible, you can read my job description. Here, here's what uh, pastors are supposed to provide. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our job description as church leaders is to help you learn to live the Christian life, to take the Bible and the principles and the truths in the Bible and live them out. That's what it means to equip the word is actually a word picture, that word equip. It's, it's, it's a word picture of fishing with nets, and there's a hole in the net, and you mend the hole in the net so you can pull in all the fish. That's, what, that's my job description. That's the staff's job description. This is why we create learning environments that focus on helping you live aligned with the Bible. Life is like dominoes. When they're tipped, each, each one impacts the others. And there are categories and there's a framework you get in the scripture that is incredibly instructive for how life flows. And what you see here on the screen is your definition of success needs to be right because it impacts everything else. It sets a direction for your life. So we work on that. We talk about that here. We talk about it in some learning environments. Um, God shows us the path to success in Scripture. These things, if your definition of success is a little off, then it impacts everything else and the way it flows. Um, your attitude, incredibly important. There are attitudes that really make a difference, and you find them in Scripture. Um, men, the attitudes are mental presets that you choose. 
That's what they are. Um, authority. How you respond to authority. How you exercise authority makes a tremendous impact. Um, relationships. Good ones make life really good. Uh, decision making. How do I make wise decisions? Our next series is how do I make a bad decision? We're looking at that because it shows us the components of bad decisions so we can choose and wise decisions so we can make a good one. Um, that's important. Word patterns. You can blow your life up in a single sentence. And, and work patterns. You can destroy your life by being lazy or slack handed. Money and possessions, how we handle those calamity or trouble, how these things, you start back with your definition of success and they start, they start tipping it. They, they impact it. They, they really make a difference. If you have God's perspective on how He's designed life, it really is helpful. So, since life flows this way, we offer practical seminars to help you learn what the Bible says about these things and how to please Him in, in different areas of life. So, we do family, family life seminars, marriage and parenting. We work on ministry perspectives and skills. How do we make a difference in the lives of the people around us? Uh, and as a part of our strategy to do our mission, we create learning environments to show how God wants us to do stuff. <laughs> so a couple upcoming workshops are, first of all, on uh, September 19th and 23rd, they're, they're the same workshop. You can choose which one you go to. We're doing a, a difference maker workshop. It's, bu- it's built on this book, and it's how to use your everyday life to make an eternal impact. And then we're offering a workshop after the series, the How to Make a Bad Decision series, basically on how to make good decisions. So we're going to do that uh, coming up. The habits I've walked through last week and this week, they're vital to our spiritual health. You and I need to make a habit of getting our spiritual groceries and taking in Healthy nourishment. This is how God, this is what God uses to grow us. Babylon B is a satirical uh, Christian website, satire for Christians. Here's one of the posts this week. I thought it was appropriate. Christian man goes on one meal per week diet to reflect his Bible reading habits. <laughs> That's perfect. It just, sorry, I had, I had to share. Um, Faith is an attitude. It's a mental precept. If we don't develop a habit of going to the places we've talked about, our minds wander. Our faith gets weak. Our faith easily flickers and fades in the strain and challenges of life. These habits fan the flame of faith. They keep it alive. We need the nourishment we get in these places. Spiritual growth happens when we get our spiritual groceries. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us. Thank you, God, for the way that you work in and through all these things that you've led us to build, these places, 
thank you for what you do in them and how it really wouldn't matter if you weren't right in the middle of all these things, leading us and helping us and changing us, God. I pray that, God, you'd give us the strength to do the steps that you've laid on our hearts that we might honor you and please you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.